just tuning in to Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are tuned into Civic Cipher. Indeed, you are. And uh, we need you to stick around because there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening lately. In particular, attacks on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this is something that is very meaningful for us here on this show. Uh, we think that it is a very special um, endeavor that companies and, and other enterprises um, can undertake. And yet attacks coming from the right uh, have started to become problematic and they've started to influence people and, and cause people to question whether or not it's effective uh, or whether or not it is creating the opposite problem, you know, in terms of like discrimination against white people. And so we have to give you some tools to work against that uh, and and a whole lot more. But first and foremost, let's discuss becoming a better ally, B-A-B-A, Baba. And today's Baba is sponsored by Friends of the Movement to support black businesses and allied businesses. Sign up for the free voter wallet from FOTMglobal.com and make an impact with your spending. Again, that's FOTMglobal.com. Uh, and this comes from The Guardian. North Carolina Supreme Court judge is suing the state's Judicial Standards Commission for allegedly violating her rights to freedom of speech. After Judge Anita Earls made public comments about the lack of diversity in the North Carolina court system, the commission launched an investigation into her statements. According to a federal lawsuit filed by Earl's lawyers, the judge has been subjected to a series of month-long intrusive in investigations, which have led to a chilling of her First Amendment rights. In a June article on Law 360, Earl's pointed out the lack of diversity among North Carolina Supreme Court law clerks. Quote, if you look at who is hired to serve as clerks to the justices, we have plenty of female clerks, but on the racial diversity, we're lacking. Earl said in the interview, pointing out that there was only one black clerk and one Latina clerk employed in the court's latest term. Earl's also said that she witnessed implicit bias in court, telling the publication she witnessed a black litigator being attacked unfairly by Earl's colleagues. Earl said the court's racial equity trainings and committees to increase diversity and inclusion have been disbanded. Earl's North Carolina's only black female Supreme Court justice alleges that the commission is targeting her ability to critique the court, especially on matters of diversity. The First Amendment provides me and every American the right to free speech and to bring to light imperfections and unfairness in our political and judicial systems. Earl said in a statement to The Guardian, I believe public confidence in the judiciary is best promoted by honestly looking at the facts, not by sweeping the truth under the rug or silencing dissenters. And using your voice, as always, is becoming a better ally, and we salute you. So, onward. All right, let's talk about attacks on DEI and why it's still beneficial. Um, let me do a little bit of reading to help paint a picture here. I'm going to read a bit from MIT Sloan Management Review. Uh, it's, the title is Countering the Corporate Diversity Backlash. And then the subheading says, as opponents of inclusive business practices grow more vocal, leaders are backing down from diversity promises or going quiet. Here's what they should do instead. All right. Corporate diversity is facing backlash. Target, a company that has carried merchandise celebrating LGBTQ plus pride for over a decade, ordered some stores to remove such products after conservative activists accused the company of sexualizing children huh? and organizing a boycott. Anheuser-Busch lost sales in response to a promotion with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney, costing Bud Light its spot as America's best-selling beer. 
Even Chick-fil-A, perhaps the prototype of corporate conservatism, with its opposition to same-sex marriage and policy of closing on Sundays, recently came under attack from conservatives for employing an executive to lead its diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Universities are also facing a diversity backlash. The U.S. Supreme Court recently struck down race-conscious admissions programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Ending race-conscious admissions will likely have ripple effects as an unclear regulatory environment might discourage organizations from implementing current diversity efforts while spurring some to explicitly exclude Black, Latin, and Indigenous groups. All right, let me stop here for a second. So what we're talking about is the intersection of corporate interests and the pursuit of a more progressive and inclusive society. Now, many people who are educated um, tend to find themselves being pushed toward more liberal views the more educated they become. Uh, that That's true of most people. The more educated you become, the more liberal your views become, right? Um, that's not always true. There are many people who have graduated from very prestigious institutions that are deeply conservative. But if we look at the numbers, at least the numbers that... Go ahead. I, I just want to interject to point out the difference between education and enlightenment. Mm -hmm. I think those that are more enlightened sure. tend, tend to lead more liberal. Yeah, yeah. You can get 27 degrees and still be a racist bigot. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So it's not more educated, just more enlightened. Well, no, no, no. So this is the thing. When you follow like those with more degrees, with more, with, with higher education, more years in, in academia, um, and then people who continue uh, with their their that that part will say enlightenment you know just kind of beyond um their academic studies you find that people tend to be more liberal the same thing with people who travel the thing, with more exposure with more information with more data people tend to appreciate a lot of the similarities and the commonalities that we all share this is my guess this is not hard data but again please for yourself look it up because uh again the more educated people are, the more liberal they tend to become. It's not it's not a broad sweeping statement. It's just a tendency. Um, so I suspect that a lot of these people who are leaders of these companies on some level know that uh, a more liberal philosophy leads to more profits because it includes more people. Go ahead. And that's the part that makes it all so confusing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right? what I was going to say. So a lot of our listeners don't know that when I'm not sitting in front of a microphone with you, I'm traveling all over the United States having conversations on diversity, equity, inclusion. Sure. Also on user experience and user interface. Important to point that out because UX UI education has seen a boom. Companies like Google offering certificates for students um, to learn about UX UI and corporations paying a lot of money. Mm -hmm. for people to research and implement things that make for a better experience for their users in real time or user interface for, for those who are using their apps or their websites okay. because they understand that if it is a more equitable experience for everyone, sure. that they will make more money. Yeah. The pushback comes when you say, we want there to be a better experience for poor and black people. Then it's a problem. That's when they bristle and cringe and push back, even though you're saying the same thing. Before we move there, though, let me let me flesh this out a little bit more. So. Um, the forces of capitalism um, push companies to pursue profit 
at the expense almost of everything else. Okay. Um, the easiest groups to dismiss are poor people and brown people just because, uh, there's, there's rarely a cavalry that comes to the aid of those people. If it's rich white people, um, you know, they are a lot more vocal. They have a lot more political influence. They have a lot more dollars and they can spend with those dollars. And um, people listen a little bit better. You know, yeah. we've been complaining about police violence since police violence existed and it's, there's still police violence. But I mean, the really the really interesting thing, Rams, is that. Underrepresented groups, as you said, don't really have a cavalry that will, you yeah. know, that will cause big change on their behalf. But. In recent years, it used to be in bad taste, just in bad to taste, be yeah. flagrantly apex predator capitalist yeah. at the expense of, like you said, everything, everything. Yeah. and and to be mean to people that were underrepresented and 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 marginalized was in bad taste. Mm -hmm. Now that that's no longer the case, thanks to our prior president, you see things like this happening at an alarming rate. Sure. Right? The, the Supreme Court taking legislative measures measures. I'm sorry to remove racial sensitivity or just racial consideration mm -hmm. in the admissions process. And, and people don't understand these programs didn't say disqualify white candidates, just consider others, mm -hmm. consider others should not be controversial. You know, what's crazy about but that? Here we are. What's crazy about that is that the legacy admissions that often uh, you know, fills the ranks of people that attend these prestigious institutions. Those individuals, again, they're legacy admissions. They're not the most qualified with the best grades and the, you know, they were on the swim team and the lacrosse team and whatever. They just were related to somebody else that went there. So that is the affirmative action for, you know, non-black people right there. They, they if there's a legacy there, then as if they needed it, but sure. there's that in addition to, okay. So watch this. Let, let's let's tie it together. So what you have is people that tend to be more educated, um, but then they they intersect at, at corporate interests, the capitalistic uh, interests, right? And the most vulnerable people are are black people. So you have some people in a position that might say, you know what? Now that I see all these black people protesting is 2020. Let's let's see if we can provide some DEI initiatives to bring to bring black people back into the conversation. God knows we've abuse them and subjected them to or, or overlooked them for, for or even if we didn't abuse them we overlooked them they're being they're abused. being abused yeah. for all this time let's let's see if we can't um support them plus since all eyes are on black people right now it's the cool thing to do right so i believe there were some good-hearted people who you know along with their education got a little bit more awareness or some smart capitalists because i don't want or some i don't want to it all to or, benevolence either or both yeah and that's that's what i'm trying to say so you end up in the situation now where people put together these uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion endeavors. And you know what? Doesn't matter to us. We want results, right? We don't want talk. There's been talk. There was talk in the 60s, talk in the 70s, 80s, 90s. You and I have spoken about this before. We want outcomes. Outcomes. There you go. And we can care. I care less about your intentions than the outcome, yeah. right? So Nike promoted Colin Kaepernick when he was under attack by the right and by the NFL mm -hmm. um, because he kneeled against police brutality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people thought that was an unpopular thing to do for Nike to support this man while he was 
you know, in some people's eyes, bad for marketing or bad for PR. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Nike was being benevolent. I don't know. But stepping out like they did and supporting him in that moment meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't matter if it was just so they could keep me as a customer. The outcome meant this massive corporation, one of the best in the history of retail, supporting a man that was under fire for very, very righteous beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it stirred up a sort of loyalty with their customers, right? Nike is on the feet of most professional athletes. And in the major sports here, you know, football, the NFL and the NBA being the most popular, the most popular, the most successful athletes in those sports are black. Mm -hmm. So they not just had, they didn't just have a fiscal responsibility to their shareholders and to their customers, but all of their partners, Mm -hmm. all of the the athletes that represent the brand, Mm -hmm. lots of black, Latino, you know, Asian and LGBTQ athletes have Nike swooshes on their feet and on their jerseys. So they had in their own heads a responsibility to support the movement. Mm -hmm. But I think somebody in that room also understood, hey, this could also be a good financial move for us. I don't care which person's voice was heard. The outcome was still resounding support for someone who needed it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a and I like that you said that um, briefly. Uh, for those that don't know, Q and I, before we did this show, we had um, a nonprofit where we fed homeless people. We were part of uh, Hashtag Lunch Bag, the um, global initiative to feed homeless folks. And we had a chapter in our city under our own nonprofit. And we would go out on the streets and there would be people that would come out and feed oh, yeah. people. And they would do it because it was a popular event. We had DJs. It was fun. It was something to get out of the house on Sundays. And they'd be out there taking selfies. And look what I did. I fed some homeless people today. And the truth of the matter is that we never really pushed back on what people's intentions were because the result was that people were being fed. We did our best to protect the privacy of those who were on the streets. They We didn't want them to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, be subjected to uh anybody violate personal pr right. campaign right but for the people that showed up to the actual event where we're put, putting the sandwiches together not the distribution part for anybody that came there just to hang out even the people that didn't go to distribute they just came and helped pack hygiene kits or you know clean up shoes for us or whatever um as long as they came and did the work however it benefited them personally how whatever they wanted to get from it that was not our concern our concern was to make sure that we were doing our best to support our unsheltered uh, brothers and sisters mm-hmm. here in Arizona. It's hot in Arizona. You, people die all the time just because it's too hot. They can't breathe. So we're trying to do something and we we're taking all comers. So um, I get, I get your story about Nike, but here's where things uh, get a little hairy. So I'm going to read a little bit more. So um, diversity backlash puts companies in a difficult position. Bowing to pressure from anti-diversity groups may cost them the goodwill they have tried to cultivate among other consumers. Targets capital capitulation sorry, to conservative pressure earned it blowback from progressive activists. Back, backing down can also can. Sorry, I'm going to start. <laughs> backing down can also encourage conservative activists to push their demands further. In other words... Uh, if conservatives feel like they're gaining ground, they're going to double and triple down, right? This is how we lost affirmative action, something that stood in the courts for decades that really did impact uh, outcomes for people, even the people that are mad, even the Candace Owens of the world, even the people that that didn't like affirmative action, they benefited from it. 
And it's on record them saying that they benefited from it. Okay. For those that don't know, Candace Owens is somebody that I don't even need to explain to you. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so Supreme Court Justice. Oh, yeah. Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Also a beneficiary of, of the of affirmative of, action. I forgot about that. This guy. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, um, all right, let me continue reading. While it might temporarily reduce the pressure on companies, giving in to anti-diversity forces could hurt them over the long term. Demographics are changing. While with non-whites making up an increasing portion of the coveted youth market and legal protections for LGBTQ plus Americans have broad support. Rooting out discrimination and increasing access to opportunity is essential to ensuring a rich talent pipeline. And for many individual managers and employees, anti-discrimination is simply a moral imperative. Okay. So, so far we're talking about companies trying to put together DEI initiatives, making sure that black people are hired, that they're promoted. Black people, women. Yeah. Latin, Hispanic, Asian. Oh, exactly. Exactly. BIPOC people. Not having a C-suite, an executive board, all your senior vice presidents being white men. Yeah. Just di kind of the diversity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, again, these folks have leaned into these initiatives and in trying to get more voices in the room, a more diverse uh, set of people with more views and, and uh, better insight into how to penetrate different cultures cultures and, and markets that might be untapped and just to be again uh, a kind and follow that moral imperative that the article was talking about right so this is what was happening uh in 2020 2021 well give it a little bit of time and the right pushes back saying things like well dei training doesn't work um it's like preaching to the choir. The only people that participate in that are people that you don't have to already, already don't have to worry about. Um, and the people that aren't going to hear it, aren't going to hear it. And people are going to be tone deaf because it feels to them like reverse racism. We're promoting these people specifically because they look like this or they have this experience. Right? The same group making those claims supports and pushes for more training for police. Because, of course, police wouldn't have those same implicit biases and turn a deaf ear <laughs> to something that's going to cause corrections and behaviors. Same group arguing for one, arguing against the other. Exactly. And and I'm going to add to that it's real quick. It's important to point that out. I'm going to add to that real quick that police training doesn't work. Please check out our last uh, episode if you missed it, um, where we talked about what you just said right there, just to kind of make that live a little bit more for you. And with DEI programs, it's not just training. There is... And there, there are initiatives that have to be implemented. Mm -hmm. there, there are measurable, deliverable outcomes that Thank have you. to come as a result of that training. It's not like, hey, just be nice to your black coworker. You know, there's much more substance behind that. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, uh, it's not just hiring people. It's promoting people. It's listening to people. It's incorporating authentic stories and perspectives into your corporate Culture. Culture. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. So again, with this pushback and a lot of, you know, the media, the right wing and, and far right wing, really the right wing is pretty far. Yeah, all of it is Fox News. Is, yeah. Yeah. Fox News is pretty far. But, um, you know, some of the, the stories I've seen covered uh, in these right wing media outlets really try to suggest that DEI is something that only exists um, 
so that the people who make money from it can continue to make money from it. In other words, DEI speakers, DEI people that travel and like uh, spend time with companies to try to help them implement, develop and implement a plan or a strategy that will be effective in reshaping their cor- corporate identity and their corporate culture. Um, those people only exist to continue to make money that it's not, they're not effective and, and there are no outcomes and that they cite the numbers. It's a $3.6 billion industry. So naturally these people want to keep it going and it's not effective and it doesn't work and it results in blah, blah, blah. So just straw man argument. Exactly. The same points could be used to support initiatives against every industry on earth. Exactly. For profit capitalist society. That's the point. Exactly. So watch this. Um, there's an article that came out long before these pushbacks that really helps quantify really what's at stake. And I'm going to just kind of share a little bit from you, but it comes from NPR. The headline reads cost of racism. U S economy lost 16 trillion with a T. Remember, remember we were talking $3.6 billion. That's what DEI, the industry, the DEI industry is worth, but the cost of racism U.S. economy lost $16 trillion because of discrimination, Banks says. Okay, so look the article up, read it for yourself. But in short, this is because of lawsuits. Um, but more importantly, it's because of marketing blunders. Again, people, there's, there's corporate blind spots. When you don't have black people in your room and you offend black people or Hispanic people in the room and then you offend, offend Hispanic people, you spend money. Then you have to spend money making it right. Then you have to respend the money to try to penetrate those markets when they turned against you. I have to say this before we go. More than a thousand X lost on what it would cost to continue to implement the training. More than a thousand X in losses. Racism is strong. White supremacy is and they deeply still ride for it. Riding for it. It's, it says 16 trillion with a T. And there's people that's riding for it, act like they didn't even know that number was true. And I'm sure that they do. But we are going to leave you with that and leave that right there. So once again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. And we just equally learned that racism is stronger than capitalism. That's crazy. <laughs> well, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting world to be born into, to be born, be, be born black and have to make a go of it. And then if we try to, bring attention to something people say we're playing the victim we have a victim mentality and other no this is our reality you think we want to live like this you think we want to make a sh- i want to make a show that's fun man i want to make a show talking about all of my problems but these need to be addressed and hopefully we've done right by you um if so please do us a favor follow us on social media help us combat the trolls that subscribe leave us- like share yeah comments, leave us mean comments so positive comments yeah leave us some positive comments we're at civic cypher on all platforms uh and we'd love to hear from you and until next week y'all Peace.